Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Friday, the 1st of September in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Hewitt podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today as Beijing ramps up economic support, rivals and allies look to capitalise on China's mounting challenges. The Bank of England's chief economist says that the UK's rate path is likely to look like South Africa's Table Mountain. And faking it, how bogus UK parts were supplied to fix jet engines on Airbus and Boeing passenger planes. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Beijing is intensifying efforts to stimulate the economy and support its currency as investor concerns continue to grow. China's central bank will trim the amount of foreign currency deposits banks are required to hold as reserves in a bid to prop up the weakening yuan. The move comes just hours after authorities announced fresh stimulus for the beleaguered property sector and plans to expand family tax breaks. Malcolm Scott, Bloomberg's Asia Economy Managing Editor, breaks down what all that means. It's all adding up and the Bloomberg economists, they've added up the stimulus so far and what they expect, including what we saw yesterday and, and some more stuff that they've put in the pipeline. They think it all adds up to about a one percentage point boost to GDP for this year, around the same, maybe even a tad more for next year. So, you know, this drip feed of stimulus that had been leaving many economists thinking, hey, hold on, um, is this really going to help? Maybe now we're starting to see some talk that perhaps this could put at least a floor under some sentiment. Malcolm Scott's analysis comes as Bloomberg reports that officials in G7 countries are considering how to deal with a China that may be approaching a peak in its economic and geopolitical power. Former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says relations between the U.S. and China are being hindered by a lack of shared values. After President Joe Biden called China's economy a, quote, ticking time bomb last month, Pelosi has told Bloomberg that there's been a clear shift in thinking from Western nations. We and other countries decided to ride this tiger and we poured money, you know, they just... We just bought everything they had to sell. We increased their, and then when, and then, when they their economy is in trouble, we're like, oh, look, it has an impact on us. Surprise, surprise. You can see the full interview with former U.S. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi on Bloomberg Television's Leaders with LACWA. It airs at 9.30 p.m. New York time on the 27th of September in the U.S. Here in London, 6.30 p.m. the following day. It's been alleged that JP Morgan disclosed more than $1 billion in suspicious transactions linked to Jeffrey Epstein to the US government after his death. In its lawsuit against the bank, the US Virgin Islands claims the financial activity was detailed in a filing to the US Treasury in 2019. JP Morgan denies the suggestion that it let Epstein fly under the radar and has previously stated that it reported about 150 cash transactions related to Epstein to a federal regulator. The Bank of England's chief economist prefers holding interest rates at high levels to further hikes. Hugh Pill explained the flat and high view at a conference in South Africa. I think it probably imposes fewer risks to financial stability. 
I think it's more of a response to trying to squeeze inflation out of the wage, price and cost setting system. And crucially, I think in the UK, it's more effective at ensuring that we see transmission through the sort of two to five year maturity rates that have become very central to the way the mortgage market uh, and private borrowing uh, operates. Traders changed their interest rate bets for the Bank of England after Pill's remarks. They are still pricing in a quarter point hike in September, but have almost removed any bets on a larger increase. European aviation regulators say a small London company has been supplying bogus spare parts to fix top-selling jet engines. AOG Technics has been accused of using forged documents to sell parts for the jet engines that power older Airbus and Boeing passenger planes. It's unclear how many fake parts may have been installed or how many aircraft might be affected. The European Union's Aviation Safety Agency told operators last month to quarantine parts that are backed by false documentation. AOG Techniques isn't an improved vendor for the parts in question and didn't respond to calls and messages from Bloomberg in response to the story. Here in the UK, a key university advocacy group says that the government is risking the prestige of British higher education. Universities UK Chief Executive Vivian Stern says the sector is being driven into the sand. We can't continue to drive down the university system, which is probably one of the few areas the UK can really hold up as world-leading. Stern's warning comes as universities face capped student fees, strikes and skyrocketing costs. You can hear the full interview on the UK uh, Politics podcast episode on the future of higher education. Hong Kong is bracing for what might be the strongest storm to hit the city in five years as Typhoon Saula approaches the city. The government has issued the storm signal, bringing the city to a halt on Friday with schools closing, flights cancelled and the stock exchange shut. Chief Secretary Chan Kwaki, who is leading a government task force to deal with the storm, warned residents to stay indoors. Okay, so those are our top stories in the markets. This caught my eye this morning. Two million people in Britain are using Buy Now, Pay Later, BNPL, for essential items. I think this is absolutely extraordinary, the kind of rapid rise of BNPL. And now um, a number of people, including um, the uh, uh, Money and, and Pensions Advisory Service, warning about just how many people are, have become quite rapidly dependent on these Buy Now, Pay Later products. So, yeah. And, and it's something the cost of living crisis has affected. Half of the users surveyed by the Money and Pension Service uh, for this study mm. said that their cost of living pressures had changed how they were using buy now, pay later. The numbers involved are quite small, but aggregated mm. together, it's a huge issue. So around 30% of those uh, polled, one in three users had at least two outstanding bills. About mm. 30% had more than £100 uh, outstanding. That's according to this poll of 2,000 people by the money and pensions service, but more than 10 million people are estimated to be using BNPL. I mean, I just think it's staggering, and uh, and I'm a little bit aghast because it's a story that of, that Bloomberg has has covered that we've covered on the radio program. Um, regulation of the sector has basically stalled since the update that we got in February, the Treasury paper, which basically was going to put the Financial Conduct Authority give it new oversight powers. Yes, I. I I take your point that it's not a very large sum of money, but 
is an awful lot of people in the UK. True, and it also depends, of course, on how much your household budget is. That can be an awful lot of money to some people as well. And the reasons behind mm. that people are using BMPL are, are the sort of things that will worry uh, regulators as well, because it's oftentimes things like them having to prioritise other repayments. And that's mm. why they're using buy now, pay later and using them to buy essentials, which is the other part of that story um, as well. So that'll be an interesting to feed into the conversation from regulators too. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, turn our focus now, though, to China, which is ramping up its campaign to boost a fragile economy. So the central bank is cutting the amount of foreign currency deposits that banks have to hold. The government's also offering more help for homeowners and for parents. This is China's economic travails suddenly seem to be flipping the view that China would inevitably overtake America economically. Joining us now to discuss this is Bloomberg's China Economy and Government Editor, Jill Desis. Jill, good morning. Great to have you back on radio. Um, We've seen over the course of this week a number of incremental moves by China. How important are these latest measures today? Hey, Caroline. Yeah, look, I think that um, these latest measures are actually fairly significant. I mean, obviously, as we've been talking on this program and others, um, we haven't seen any kind of big bazooka-style stimulus that China has rolled out. But there has been this drip feed that has been going on for several weeks at this point, and it does seem to be having at least a limited impact on confidence and sentiment. So the uh, foreign exchange uh, reserve uh, ratio that you just mentioned, um, that's kind of a move that effectively boosts the amount of foreign currency that's available in the local market. So uh, that makes it relatively more appealing for traders to buy the yuan. So, uh, you know, as, as we've been talking about uh, market reaction and how um, we can't, and how much the currency has been sliding, that's maybe has a limited boost there. And then, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the mortgage uh, rates as well. I mean, we've been waiting for a lot more action on the property sector and here's an example of China taking some concrete actions to actually make it easier uh, for people to, you know, buy homes, take out mortgages, reducing rates on existing mortgages, that kind of stuff um, potentially has the uh, effect of shoring up some confidence in the sector. Although I think as we've been discussing, um, it, there's a lot of really, really deep systemic problems within this economy right now, and it will likely take more to actually turn things around. Yeah, it's it's interesting to look in, in particular at the, the steps taken in the property sector because we've talked so much about the, the depth of the issues there as well. Are these measures announced for, uh, in terms of fresh relief for homeowners, going to actually have much of an impact? I think the newest ones are certainly, they, they carry some significance, at least more than we've seen so far. So banks are no longer disqualifying people who have mortgage record, even if they're, they fully repaid the um, as first-time buyers. That's, again, making it a bit easier for people uh, to buy into property. I also think some of the reductions on down payments are really interesting. So that's cutting the floor um, on a down payment ratio across the country. Um, I think to a certain extent, uh, some local governments have to decide whether they want to adopt some of these measures. But, I mean, you've got, like, districts and parts of Beijing where uh, the down payment requirement for homes can be as high as like 80% in some areas and massive barriers to entry uh, for getting into these property markets. So um, if you're seeing at least in some parts of the country in some cities and some districts start to lower these ratios a little bit more, maybe that's going to help uh, boost a bit more confidence and sentiment for the sector.
Yeah. Uh, just lastly, Bloomberg has a fascinating piece on the terminal today, speaking to officials in G7 capitals. The narrative about the rise of China inevitably overtaking the US as the you know biggest economy in the world, that that view may now be changing in the West and in finance. Yes, this is a really interesting piece. So just kind of taking a look at and, and collating all of these comments that officials have made and then also, you know, both unnamed officials and also very, very prominent voices have been saying about China recently. I mean, look, uh, Caroline, just a few years ago, before the pandemic, um, I don't know how many think pieces they either read or uh, wrote, honestly, about how it was essentially inevitable for the Chinese economy to eventually become the world's largest economy, surpassing the United States. Um, I mean, I think we were talking at one point how that happened faster than expected by the end of the decade. Um, now that narrative is really shifting. And I think that a lot of officials, particularly in the U.S. and Europe, are pointing to some of these systemic issues that the Chinese economy has, whether it's the population decline, um, challenges in terms of growth and investment, local debt issues. And they're looking at that and saying this actually seems like it shifts the narrative on how we may be um, effectively dealing with China. You combine that with a lot of the de-risking strategies that the Europe and the U.S. in particular have been adopting towards China. Um, and it, it, it does present this question of whether there's a shift in, in this balance of power and this view of how to encounter China uh, that may be growing more prominent. Okay, Jill Deesis, our China Economy Editor, thanks very much uh, for joining us on the programme from Hong Kong this morning where markets are closed due to that typhoon and and Jill is also not in the office as a result. But Jill, we appreciate you joining us on the programme this morning with the details of that story. Yeah, absolutely. The city hunkered down. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Another really amazing uh, story on the Bloomberg Terminal today around Gabon. Uh, it, the country is to swear in General Bryce Nguyema as a transitional president on Monday, which will be five days after soldiers overthrew Ali Bongo as leader. It has been the eighth coup in a former French colony in three years. It leaves Paris down yet another longtime friend in the region. And Bloomberg's Neil Munchi, who is uh, our Africa editor uh, based in Nairobi, joins us now to discuss. Um, Neil, this has been a story that we've been uh, looking at the last few days. What has happened in Gabon? What is driving all of these coups in sub-Saharan Africa? Hey, morning. Um, So on last Saturday, Gabon held uh, a deeply flawed election in which Ali Bongo was declared the winner. Uh, His government had shut the internet and sort of closed the political space ahead of it. And a few hours after he was declared winner on Wednesday, the army came on state TV and said they'd overthrown him. Um, Bongo sent out a video plea for support, but given how little pushback any of the other coups in the region have received, uh, there's very little expectation that he'll return to power. 
And that is in part what's driving all these coups that we're seeing across uh, Africa is that there isn't a real uh, international response to them. And there kind of can't be, you know, there isn't much appetite either on the continent or in the West for some kind of ground invasion to restore democracy. But ultimately, it comes down to bad governance, neglect by political elites who generally stuff their pockets rather than serve their citizens. Um, you know, most mm. of these countries, including Gabon, are incredibly resource rich, but remain, you know, many of their people remain among the poorest in the world, even as politicians own homes in London and Paris. Um, and at the same time, you have this kind of insecurity that's roiling the Western Sahel, uh, jihadist insurgency that governments can't get a handle on, and that's kind of feeding frustration as well. So soldiers step in and say, we're the ones who can fix this. Neil, this coup comes just a month after the one in Niger. Are there a risk of more coups on the horizon? Are there other regimes in Africa worried about them perhaps being next? Yeah, so Bongo is kind of part of this crew of uh, either longtime authoritarians or guys who inherited the presidency from their fathers, who were longtime authoritarians uh, in Francophone Africa. So Paul Bia in Cameroon's uh, been there for about 40 years. Dennis uh, Sasso Nguesso in Congo Brazzaville, another guy for 40 years. The rulers of Chad and Togo. Uh, inherited uh their Mm. presidencies and there is you know there is this sense like i was saying that there's not going to be much pushback against these coups and all of these countries have strong Mm. militaries that have taken power in the past this is bloomberg daybreak europe your morning brief on the stories making news from london to wall street and beyond look for us on your podcast feed every morning on apple spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts you can also listen live each morning on london dab radio the bloomberg business app and bloomberg.com our flagship new york station is also available on your amazon alexa devices just say alexa play bloomberg 11:30. i'm caroline hepke and i'm stephen carroll join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on bloomberg daybreak europe Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.